0: Okay, let's go to the book of Romans in chapter number one for the night's message Romans in chapter number one Those of you that were in different uh, departments this morning and serving we Did some work on the theme actually went back to psalm 33 and our theme this year standing all of him Just really trying to get that on the forefront of our minds here as we at least begin the year And then we'll get back into some of our preaching series through the book of matthew and and um, first samuel and then also the book of 1 John, so look forward to doing that, and then us preachers along the way, and, and uh, I'm trusting that God will be faithful and true again this year, and we can trust Him, trust His Word, so I'm thankful for that. So this morning, uh, we were talking about uh, developing a sense of all. How do, how do we develop a sense of all? And, and it begins with acknowledging God's work as, as our Creator, that, that you're, you're not... You're not the product of an evolutionary process that is haphazard and and that just is random. But no, you're you are very complex in your design and and in uh, your personality. Some of you are more complex than others, right? But uh, but no, you're you're especially uh, and fearfully and wonderfully made by your Creator. And so, standing in awe of Him is going to begin with beginning with Him as our Creator. That's the right place to start. We're going to do some work on on that. Um, God willing, uh, as we finish up the book of Revelation, or I'm sorry, we didn't go through the book of Revelation. We did just the first uh, three chapters in Sunday school, but we're going to do some work in Genesis and, and just some work about how that we are created and the whole creation. Um, because uh, until we go back to who God is and what he did, we're really going to be mixed up in where we are right now and the road forward. So that's, that's really what we're even looking at here as we come to Romans. So let's go ahead and get to our text now. I appreciate opportunity to give a little bit of background to that. So, here are our theme standing all of him this is actually sermon number 3. And so let's just begin in verse number 18. For the wrath of God For the wrath of God, Paul says, having explained the centrality of the gospel and why he was hoping to go to Rome, and this really explains why he was so passionate about preaching the gospel because the gospel is really the only hope that the world really has. And here's, here's why the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things, Of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. The invisible things of him are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, his creation, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because, verse 21, That when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Uh, Don't underestimate how important thankfulness is. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Well, I believe we're seeing verse 22 in action. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. It's interesting, God made us in his image, but man in his depravity has tried to make God in our image. Wherefore, verse 24, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. That's an inspired amen right there. Okay, verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like, here's the issue, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over unto a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient or which are not fitting or proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness. And then this really sad list. Um. This list will be on the nightly news. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They post it. They follow it. They send it out have pleasure in them that do them. So much for a life without God. So tonight, here's, uh, here's the title. The Danger of Losing Our Awe. The Danger of Losing Our Awe. And what, what we're going to do, God willing, is this is just going to be like an introductory message to that side of it. Um, we need to think about along the way, how do we lose our awe? So that we would be warned But I don't want to just focus on our losing our awe Though that certainly needs to be mentioned And a passage like this by the way I think needs to be revisited And revisited again and again uh, But also along the way I'd like to emphasize who our God is And preach on some of his attributes Like his goodness And his uh, immutability That he doesn't change And other things like that So that we would then stand in awe of him so we got two sides to this, standing in awe of him and being aware of us. Yeah. So may God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's get right to it here tonight. There's a lot to, a lot to cover, more than what we would have time to do in an exposition of this. We, that, that's not our intent here tonight, but certainly to look at it. One verse in particular, verse number 25, is where we're really going to focus. <clears throat> I um, did a little bit of reading just about how that we lose our awe and, and what a danger it is for all of us. And, and, and one individual, though I, I wouldn't agree with this, this gentleman um, with regard to his theological position and its entirety, but has certainly been one that I've read after that has been a help just a caution about how that we can get our focus on ourselves and thus off of God. And when we do that, we're in a, well, it's a, it comes to my mind to say it in a Kentucky way, we're in a heap of trouble, right? And so Paul Tripp has, I've read a, a book on pastors and encouraged, you know, those in the ministry to read it. It's called A Dangerous Calling because uh, those in ministry are in, in a dangerous spot uh, because there's a danger that, that we don't apply the grace that we say that others need. To our own lives and and we forget that we're just as much a sinner as anybody else in need of god's grace and so anyways uh but he also has written a book on all that i haven't read but i read this article and i hope you don't mind me just kind of using this as a little bit of a springboard into our consideration here tonight and it's very purposeful and and i'm, I'm not trying to fill time i'm just trying to lay the groundwork here and 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 um because I, I, we're, we're on the heart of something that is very, very important. This is a very critically important passage. In my estimation, all of God's word is, but this is a very critically important passage. And I, I trust God to help us to give it consideration and do attention here tonight. But he's actually writing to those in ministry. And I, I don't think you'll have any kind of a struggle of applying it to where you are, whether as a young person, a teenager growing up in church, or as an adult that's been in church many, many years, because, uh, well, there's nothing that you're facing that's not common to man. We're all facing it together. He says, I'm convinced that many of us live and do ministry day after day without any awe whatsoever. We live days, maybe even weeks, without wonder and amazement, even in gospel ministry. What should stun us doesn't stun us anymore. What should leave us in silent, amazed worship has become so familiar, it barely gets our attention and all the clutter of other things in ministry that command our attention. We walk through our daily ministries without an overwhelming sense of gratitude. We don't notice the glory displayed all around us that points us to one glory that's truly glorious, the glory of God. Then he listed a number of things that gets our attention. Things like the intern that messed things up. (laughs) Anyways. Then other things that are just common to life. Much traffic. Another long meeting to attend. The car that needs repair. The blogs we can't live without. The cool restaurant we uh, can't wait to visit. The garage that's too full to get the car in. The financial problems that just keep coming. The weight we didn't mean to gain. Hello. Yes, hello, the dreams that keep slipping through our fingers. He said, the, the, for sinners, the road between awe and complaining is very short. You and I were created to live our lives in the shadow of awe. In other words, that we, in a lot of ways, um, we are hardwired to wonder, to be at awe about things. That, that's why, I mean, that's why, you know, even as, as we watch sports and somebody makes an amazing catch, I mean, uh, it, it, it's, so, it, it's, it's so awe-inspiring, maybe because we realize, I couldn't do that, but that's awesome that somebody could. You know, whether they're catching a, a ball like this or however, however it is that it is, we, we just say, man, that's amazing. We're, we're, we're given to splendor and awe, and, and that's why people visit the Grand Canyon and the Rocky Mountains, and the plains of Oklahoma. Amen. Amen. Just thought I'd throw that in there. And so we're supposed to live our lives with the sense of awe that, you know, that, that God created us and that he is great in himself. But, but things go bad when we lose our all. He said bad things happen when pastors lose their sense of all. Bad things happen when local church leadership loses their Ability to be amazed at God and just kind of get humdrum. Same old, same old. There's a danger right there. I I hope in the course of all this at some time to preach a message that I've had on my heart and mind a long time. I've had the title. I just haven't had the message yet completely. Bored with Jesus. Bored with Jesus. I'm afraid that there's a danger that we could get bored with God. Bad things happen in a local church when we lose our sense of awe, when nothing impresses us anymore. If you're not getting your wonderment or your awe, I don't want to overuse that word, but I think you understand what, what I'm saying here. Uh, if we don't get our wonderment vertically, that is from the creator, then we'll look for, some, for it somewhere in creation. But listen, listen, Nothing in creation is like Him. Nothing in creation is like Him. Everything around us is flawed in some way. Even before the fall, He goes on to say that no glory in creation is compared to the glory of the Creator, but sadly our awe of God quickly becomes an awe of us. So tonight, I I think it's really helpful for us to consider a passage like this, to recognize that really, in life, we only have two choices of what's going to hold our attention, either the creator or his creation. I drove tonight, well, no, I didn't. Trevor drove, and I rode, and I looked over the sermon, and I was thinking about it, but we're driving down I-40, and I thought, you know what? Everything around me is part of his creation. By the way, not all of it's bad, of course. Actually, many good things. He allows us to enjoy many good things. Many, many, many good things God allows us to enjoy. Coming to my mind right now, for whatever reason, is coffee. I mean, this afternoon, Angie uh, gave us a, gave a, a gift that is, uh, it's called Ember, and, and it keeps your coffee hot. In a, you know, I, I usually, you, now listen. Since we're on the topic, if you're going to drink coffee, it's got to be hot. I mean, it just has got to be hot. You know what I mean? And so this cup is designed to keep your coffee hot. That's pretty awesome. Amen. Okay, so that's part of God's creation. But everything I was looking at, I was looking at buildings and I was looking at roads and I was looking at uh, uh, the sky uh, rises here in Oklahoma City, the high rises and all that. I mean, you say, well, that's not part of his creation. Well, all of that came from his creation. You're part of his creation. I'm part of his creation. These pews are part of his creation. This carpet is part of his creation. This platform is, this pulpit is, this mic is, the sound is, the light is. Everything down here is part of his creation. Everything is part of his creation. Football, part of his creation. Baseball, basketball, uh, hockey, soccer. I mean, on and on, all that's part of his creation. Uh, Hospitals and all the, I mean, just, there's not anything that you can name right now that's not part of his creation. That's down here that we know about. So our attention is either going to be on him as the creator or it's going to be on some aspect or aspects of his creation. Now, what you've got to ask yourself, like I've got to ask myself every single day, is which one is of greatest value which one is really going to last? Which one is not going to change? Which one, uh, which one is really good? And you, you say, well, Preacher a minute ago, you mentioned coffee, and that's really good. Yeah, it's good if it's done right. right. But God, God is only good. Only good. He, he, can't, he can't be other than good and in God there is absolutely no bad okay. no bad at all man's rejected the revelation of God verses 18 through 23 he has suppressed the truth when the Bible says that man holds the truth the idea is that he, he holds it down He he suppresses it. He 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 knows he knows what is right. He knows what is true, but he holds the truth. That's the idea of the word. He holds it. I think about I think about you know like uh, maybe uh, when the the pool noodles. You know you try to push those down and they. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You try to push it down and it comes back up. That's how it is with with man. Man tries to. Push down what God says, but God's truth has a way of springing right up. But they hold the truth in unrighteousness. They don't want to know the truth, because if they know the truth, and there is truth, and then they're accountable to the truth, then they're in a heap of trouble. So they hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19 and 20 indicate to us that God has revealed himself to man, and it's certainly evident in the order of his creation God is a God of order. You can see it in his creation. Now, by faith, we understand that the worlds were made by God. So I, I understand that. I, and listen, a person cannot be saved, cannot come to know their creator apart from special revelation, which is God's word. They can't look up into the sky and say, well, there must be a God and he's my savior. They can understand that there's a God. They can come to some of those conclusions, but they don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know about the cross. They've got to hear the special revelation of God through his word. Okay, that's a necessity. But God has revealed himself and and in creation and thus he says here that they are without excuse. So God has revealed himself in creation, but man's lack of gratitude in verse number 21, are we doing all right? We're moving pretty quick right here now. His eternal power is known by this. His orderliness is known by this. The invisible things of God are known or seen in his creation. And and so that verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened and so they rejected the revelation of God and thus the lack of gratitude then led them to wrong thinking about God and so when truth is rejected, then, it's, then in time, the ability to recognize and receive truth is very much impaired and so now they're very confused about who God is and thus they set up their own gods and images. Verse 22, becoming... Uh, professing themselves to be wise they become fools they they um, say things like gender is fluid many degrees behind their name and yet they say things like that professing themselves to be wise they become fools verse 23 they change the glory of the incorruptible god into an image made like to corruptible man to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things and Wherefore, God also gave them up three different times. The text says God gave them up. And here it says he gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves. Verse number 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. The further and further they got away from God the more twisted their thinking became. God gave them over to their own way. The word gave over means hand over or abandoned them to their own way. They went further down the path of immorality. Verse number 24, as we have read, he gave them up to uncleanness. They exchanged truth for a lie. They served the creature more than the creator. Verse 26 Everybody still following along with this? Verse 26, sexual indulgence gave way to sexual perversion. Thus homosexuality is against God's created order. Uh, The world has a mentality, love is love, but God says it's a vile affection. Vile means disgraceful. It's against nature, it's against the way that God made man and woman. And then he also refers to it as unseemly. So you cannot take any text in Scripture and build a position for homosexuality unless you grossly misinterpret and twist those texts. They must receive the recompense or penalty for their sin. As you see there in verse number 27... Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And then the rest of the list just shows how bad it gets. Folks, listen. What I'm looking at here with you tonight is what happens when a people lose their awe of God. One Wiersbe said this, God's description of sinners is not a pretty one. But we cannot avoid it, he said. This section, talking about Romans 1, does not teach evolution, that humans started low and climbed high, but rather it teaches devolution. That man started high and because of sin sank lower and lower. In fact, he says lower than the beasts. He identified four stages. Intelligence, ignorance, indulgence, and then impenitence. Meaning no sorrow over sin, no shame over sin, no remorse or regret over sin, and no repentance over sin. You you take our country and you think about where we were as a nation when we had the knowledge of God working among our people and and where where the United States of America was in its inception and its beginning and recognizing uh, that God was the Lord. But the further and further we have pushed God out of our national consciousness, the further down we've gone this same way. From intelligence to ignorance to indulgence, and certainly that's where we are today, indulgence and impenitence, a lack of shame for sin. And thus, when people push God out of their lives, life becomes filled with all sorts of wickedness. Tonight, we're looking at this text in specific Specifically, verse number 25, I want you to look at it with me again, if you would, please. He says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. The danger of losing our awe is that we end up, we stand in awe of that which is flawed. C.S. Lewis said that human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Okay, look, anything other than God is flawed. Doesn't matter what it is. Everything in God's creation is affected by sin. Every person is prone to sin and we're affected by sin. So if we get our focus on some aspect of his creation, then we have set our affection on that which is, in its very nature, flawed and cannot satisfy. And there's only one who is not flawed and who can satisfy. That is the Lord God Almighty, who is good, I'm, I'm listening to a, a book by A.W. Tozer, The Attributes of God, and, and right now I've, I've listened to how that God is good and how that, uh, how that God is, is infinite. Everything down here is finite. It means it won't last long. And I've begun listening to how that God is immutable. He does not change. We need to stand in awe of Him because he alone is truly good. He alone is infinite. He alone is immutable. But if we get our attention right down here on this horizontal plane, see, and we worship and serve the creature, you say, Preacher, I don't think, I don't think we, we would do that. Listen, folks, we do it every day. There are ways in which we get our worship and our, and our service all mixed up and we're worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. I mean, we know the theological things to say and what not to say, but practically speaking, we end up serving the creature more than the creator. And we think that there's something or someone down here on this earth that can satisfy us. But everything and everyone here is flawed. So don't stand, here, here's basically one, one little s- snippet. Here's the message. Don't stand in awe of that which is flawed. Don't stand in awe of that which is flawed. Don't, dare we get that? Don't stand in awe of that which is flawed. So what's flawed? Sinners are flawed. Some young person says, man, I'm about to get married. You know who you're about to marry? A sinner. Oh, no, they're good. Are they entirely good? Well, they look good. But are they entirely good? Um, Young ladies? Ladies? Older ladies? Your husband? can never satisfy you cuz he's flawed he's not <laughs> he's not built for that we did not step out of a hallmark movie i guarantee you <laughs> you will be sadly disappointed <laughs> Same thing about a young lady, or a lady, or a wife. Uh, hey, look, look, wait a minute, don't, don't misunderstand that. Thank God for marriage, God created marriage. But because of the entrance of sin, marriage itself, because of the sinners that are involved, it's flawed. And so I've disappointed, I've disappointed Angie. <laughs> now I'm not giving her the mic. <laughs> To explain the ways, wow. And she's disappointed me. We, we, we can't, we're not built to satisfy one another. We never will be. And the quicker that married couples and about to be married couples understand that, the better, because otherwise you're worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. And you'll go into that relationship to get rather than getting from him and coming in to give. Newborns, they're cute and all, but you're not gonna find your satisfaction there because they're flawed. They'll keep you up at night. They'll keep you up all day. They'll cry when there's not a thing in the world to cry about. It's just their pastime (laughs) crying. The best of friends will fail you. Church leadership will disappoint you. Fellow church members will disappoint you. So I'm just simply saying, if we get our sense of all right here, among those that are flawed, you're going to be disappointed. Because we're limited. You know, I, back to that husband thing. As a husband, I know I'm limited in my energy. You know, I, I, may, I go home and, and, and I've expended all my creativity... I've I've preached, and um, generally, when I do the sermons, I forget how many words it comes out to be, but it's a lot. I've used all my words. I get home, I'm ready not to say any words. But she's talked to all kinds of people and wants to tell me about all those conversations. It's a wonderful thing. I'm just simply saying, I'm finite. I'm limited. I run out of energy. I run out of steam. I run out of time. I, I run out of uh, uh, interest, and I <laughs> <laughs> we're we're not built to satisfy, and, and we don't need to stand in awe of one another because we're flawed. We're finite, we're not entirely good and we're certainly not immutable. We change, you change. I mean, you think about it even, thank God, I mean, for the ministry here and all that's going on, but you know, I mean, things change over time. But God doesn't change. So that's why we're supposed to stand in awe of him and not stand in awe of a preacher, say, or preachers or ministries or buildings. You, you get what I'm saying. I mean, this thing is so subtle that, that we can even take a good thing that God's given us and make it something like we're gonna serve. Hey, look, you, you serve God through the local church. You don't serve the local church through God. No, we, we, we serve him. He's immutable, and and so, but when we get our eyes on man, we get our eyes on ministry, we get our eyes on churches, we get our eyes on leaders, then listen, people are flawed, churches are flawed, ministries are flawed, we're all flawed, we're all struggling, we all need help, but there's one who's not, and he's immutable. We need to stand in awe of him. Things, things won't satisfy you. They can't finally get that new car, that new vehicle, give it a year or less, give it a, give it a three three or four years. It's going to begin to need maintenance. I mean, it was the perfect ride at first. And then, then all these warning lights started coming on. We just went through that, um, uh, We've got one of those uh, vehicles that uh, does the auto stop. Comes back on. The car lives by the verse, I die daily. <laughs> it's all good until, you know, like warning lights are coming up. And the thing about it is it's Angie's car. And if it was mine, I would have just probably kept driving. It was fine as long as it's taken off. But men are different than women. We took it in and. It's just basically needed a new battery is what it needed. Pretty simple fix. Pretty expensive fix. But a simple fix. But it, you know, it was a new car at one time, but you'll need a battery, you'll need tires, you'll need oil changes. It doesn't matter how big those wheels are. I say, or it doesn't matter how high that truck is. I mean, there's monster trucks out there on the road. Have you seen him? I saw this guy. I mean, I thought, and I mean, he just, it wasn't like, he needed a ladder. That's what he needed. But he just had, I have have no idea. How does a brother get in there? I I really wanted to follow him home and see how he got out. But even more interesting would be, how did he get in? You know, it does have a little step there, but it it had to be about that high. I I can't, I, I can't. But I guarantee you, he'll be driving down the road sometime and he'll see somebody else that's got a truck just a little bit higher than his. And he'll think, I don't like this truck anymore. I need one that's higher. That's how we are. Because we stand in awe of that which is flawed. The latest phone. Oh man, I got to get the latest phone. I don't like upgrades, do you? I get used to that phone and I know how to work that that's all I need but you get some you know you think man I gotta have the latest phone the best of teams the best of restaurants the best of food speaking of restaurants and food (laughs) they'll never help you gain satisfaction but they'll help you gain weight And thank God for food. I know God wants us to enjoy food, but we can't, we can't make our whole life about what we're going to eat. You know, it's worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. Have the best physique. You know, here's the time of the year when everybody starts working out. Go for it. Just take it beyond January, right? And it's not anything wrong with working out. And I enjoy, as you know, I enjoy running and all those things. And, and, but, but there is a problem when we worship and serve the creature. And your image more than the creator. Because look, it doesn't matter how muscular you look or how attractive you look as a lady. Eventually, you're flawed and it'll change. Well, this is really encouraging, isn't it? Man, I've got to have the coolest shoes. Got to have the, you know, man. Those, those are sick. <laughs> oh, man, I hope they get better. Amen. Funniest movie, the most exciting vacation. I'm, I'm just going through the list that I made, and this is a short list. The most exciting vacation, the best deals on Amazon, the latest game system, the most fascinating video on social media that has unlimited streaming and gets passed around. I mean, we are so awed by the flaw that we watch others in their pursuit of their odd flaw. But it'll never be enough because it's flawed. Accomplishments accolades. I mean, you think about those in the movie industry. How many of them have been through divorce after divorce after divorce after divorce after divorce? Music industry, how many young lives have been taken of their own accord, suicide? And yet they they would be the ones that everybody said, man, they, they finally achieved it. Sports icons, winning games, losing families. It's not satisfying. That applies to ministry as well. You'll never, you'll never um, find satisfaction in ministry alone. It can only be found in God who's not flawed. I'm afraid sometimes we get too focused on our positions and we need to have the biblical positions. I'm not downgrading that at all. But those positions of biblical positions and the biblical truths that we believe, they're not an end in themselves. They're supposed to point us to the God who is. And we need those positions, but we need to be mostly passionate about who God is. But when we get our awe in the right place, when we stop being awed by that which is flawed, and we get our awe back where it belongs, back in the creator rather than the created, the creature of the creation, once we get our attention back on Him, it's really easy to give. Because I stand in awe of him, and he gave to me what I have, what I put in the offering this morning, I didn't come up with it on my own. He enabled me to receive it. He gave it to me, and I it was a blessing just to be able to give it back. How about you in that route is? You Stand in awe of him giving's not difficult. but if you're serving the creature more than the core, then you have a hard time with giving. Praying for missionaries. Oh, what a blessing to get to do that. But that's because when we stand in awe of Him, we want others to know about Him. And it's easy to pray for missionaries because we want missionaries to get out and get the gospel out. It's exciting to sing. Uh, This helped me tonight. I'll be honest with you, just this thought about serving the creator creator, rather than the creature and the creation. It helped me tonight as I was singing because it changed my perspective. I was singing to Him rather than just kind of getting through the song service. Make you look forward to teaching or preaching junior church or bowing in prayer and worship when you stand in awe of Him. Maybe tonight you are asking in your mind, okay, I I agree, this is so very true, it's right there in the Word. How do I get my awe back? Well, stop suppressing the truth, don't push it down. Embrace the truth. Instead of ignoring God's revelation... Get into the Word. Get into the Word. In His Word, in creation, I want to challenge you this year. Maybe you spend some time outdoors just being amazed at what God has made. Get away from screens. Get back into Scripture. Heard somebody say this morning, this is a, one of the men of the church, Um, anyways, I'm not going to explain the context of it, but talk about screenagers, not teenagers, but screenagers, adults in their phones, as much as what normal teenagers are. I'm talking about today's typical teen screenagers. Some of you adults are screenagers. Okay. That went over great, but (laughs) glorify God in your speech and your actions. Here's a simple one. Just start being thankful. Call foolish what God calls foolish. Get back to worshiping God. Focus on Him, not just on His blessings. I think the, uh, the heart of many of us, even as believers, can resemble that battery that I was talking about in our car, if you'd allow just this illustration by closing, those warning lights were coming on and it had enough power to make the car run and start and all that, but it wasn't of sufficient power to run all the systems. You know how cars have changed nowadays. And so it wasn't just, it wasn't dead, it it wasn't out completely, but it just wasn't where it needed to be. To make things run the way that it was supposed to run. It may be tonight that some of you have had some warning lights coming on in your life. And you could ignore those warning lights. Put black tape over them. Or. You could see what's going on and why they're coming on. No, it's going to cost you something. You Got people saying something to you, they're concerned about you, that's a warning light. Got some maybe issues that have come up recently because of choices you've made, that's a warning light. Got some tension, some friction between you and somebody even that you love, that's a warning light. All that's saying, you don't have enough power to run the way that you're supposed to run. And a renewed sense of awe of God, when we get our minds and hearts back on who He is, He and He alone is sufficient to make life work the way that He designed it to work. And anything else is flawed. So Father, help us tonight. There's more that we need to cover, more we need to think about, more I, I know I need to give consideration to and think about and process and apply. But tonight I... I know, God, that we all would acknowledge that we are prone to worship the creature, the creation, serve the creation more than the creator, than you. So help us, God, Lord, where we've lost our all and the danger of it is that we are not in neutral, we're not passive, passively going through life, we're always actively loving or serving either you or ourselves. And so, God, uh, we would be in awe of something that's flawed. And so I pray that you'd help us to see that, help, help us to pay attention to your warning and admonitions that come our way, dear God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here tonight. We're singing, page 258, turn your eyes upon Jesus. It may be tonight that God's used this message as a warning light just to come up and say, hey, you need to give attention to this. God spoke to your heart. Page 258, turn your eyes upon Jesus, would you come even as we begin to sing?